Hello friends and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. In this week's episode, we are going to be discussing Project L, Great Western Trail, Calico, and another game. Another game? Another game. <laughs> oh. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. And okay. in our discussion topic, we are going to talk about, well, Natasha is going to talk about losing in board games and how a, she handles I have, losing. I have a little experience losing board games. Not very much, but a little. Yeah, you've done it once or twice. <laughs> it's only been a couple times. but. <laughs> so, Natasha, what have you been playing? All right. This week, I played Project L. So, this is an abstract Tetris polyomino game. It's designed by Michael Mikus, Jan Sukol, and Adam Spanel, published by Board Cubator. In this game, players collect these really lovely plastic Tetris-shaped pieces and these tiles that they put the pieces on and complete the various shapes on the tiles. So they do this by taking three actions on their turn. They can collect a level one piece, which is the smallest piece. It's just one square. Or they can upgrade one of their pieces to one level up. So you could make your one square into a two or three square. Each piece falls into a level. Or they can select another tile to add to their supply. They can have up to four puzzles you're working on at once. Or they can place one of the pieces onto one of their puzzles. Or the fifth action they can do is, they call it a master action, which I I don't like that word master. So I'm going to refer to it as the big daddy action. (laughs) So going forward, the big daddy action, they can place one piece, because I just find it less offensive. (laughs) Look, why... Why, why that? Why yeah. Big Daddy action? I don't know. It's supposed to be like a big one, you know? Sure. A main one. Main action, Big Daddy, it works. I, I call it the Big Daddy action. Fair enough. But main just isn't, doesn't encompass like how awesome of an action it is. Got, okay. Got, oh, sure. So yeah, just... on, if they can do one Big Daddy action <laughs> per turn, the Big Daddy action means they can place one piece on each of their puzzles. So if you've got four puzzles, you can put four pieces. So one action is like to put one piece on a puzzle, but you can do the big daddy action, which allows you to place one piece on each of your puzzles. You can see why it's a, it's a big daddy. It makes more. It, way, it makes way more sense now than it did. So what's cool is once you complete a puzzle, you slide the pieces off and you get to keep them in your supply, which is really fun. But the puzzles also give you a new piece once they're completed as a reward. So at first when you're playing, you're like, oh, this is really hard. Like I have to only get four actions and I can take one small piece. Upgrade is going to take forever. But once you start getting them, you keep all the pieces. You don't ever like spend them and discard them. And then you just keep getting more. Each puzzle is worth a few victory points, depending on the size and complexity of the puzzle. And then whoever has the most victory points is the winner. What makes this game really fun to play is the bright plastic pieces. It looks really great against the all black and white puzzle tiles. They're, they're nice recessed puzzle tiles that are really clean and simple looking. It does have a table presence. Just looking. I haven't I haven't had a chance to play this game, but mm-hmm. just even looking at the pictures and looking at it set up, it looks like it has an incredible table presence with those bright colored pieces with the black mm-hmm. shapes that you're trying to fill in or the black tiles with the shapes you're trying to fill in. Yeah, it looks cool. Yeah, there's no artwork. It's just black and white tile puzzle pieces, and then these really colorful tiles that you place into the puzzle. These nice recessed board puzzles. The strategy is really all about maximizing your use of the big daddy turn so you can place up to five pieces at once, right? Yeah. It's a lovely, fairly quick light game. I enjoyed playing it quite a bit. I don't know that I'll be playing it again. Uh, does it doesn't seem to have too much um, depth or tension to keep me coming back. You know, I liked it. I enjoyed it. But it was cute. It was nice. But that was kind of it. Like, I wasn't like, oh, I really want to play it again. I want to do things differently. It was just, it was more like a relaxing, nice activity. What is the game end trigger? You have a stack of uh, puzzles once uh, those are completed. Once, uh, once you go through that stack, it's mm-hmm. done. Yep. And I think everyone gets another turn. Well, it's it sounds like it has a good ramp up effect, too, because once you complete a puzzle, the fact that you can keep those pieces... Mm-hmm. And then you can do your big dad. You can do your big daddy action. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Like, all right, I've got now. I've got a whole big slot, uh, pile of pieces here. I've got all new four puzzles. I get my first turn, I'll do my big daddy action and put them all out. And then now I can just place one at a time for the other three turns, or sorry, the other two actions on my turn. 
you know, trying to maximize the returns is really the strategy around the game. Yeah, it sounds like you want to be able to do a bunch of forward thinking in order to make sure once you clear a bunch of puzzles mm-hmm. that you can use those pieces again to fulfill those other puzzles. Yeah, but there's not it's not that difficult to do that. Like the puzzles are pretty simple. They're, you know, they're not complex shapes, so you can use your pieces for any puzzle. You know, you just got to combine them differently. It's not that complex, so there's not a lot of strategy there. I would say it's lower on the strategy. It feels more like a little activity, like, oh, I'll fill this in, and I'll fill this in. Oh, that's fun. You know, it's, it's nice and light. I would say it's lighter than what you'd think. Would you think it'd be a good gateway style or entry-level yeah. game? Yeah, this is a game that anybody could play. You know, people who aren't into board games could certainly play it. I I considered picking it up for my kids because it's nice and simple. But then I was at the end of the day, I was like, ah, I just don't know that there's enough depth in here to, for me to want to play it over and over again. But I think it definitely has a place in the world. Like, I think there's a lot of people that would really like it. It's it's beautiful. It's simple. It's clean. It's a lovely game. I, I would rate it a six. You know, I enjoyed it. I'd play it if somebody wanted to play it with me. I'd certainly play it again. Um, I'd recommend giving this game a try if you like uh, light little puzzles that look and feel really great. Like it's really tactile, feels good in your hands. It almost reminds me of Tetris. It looks a lot with those colorful pieces. The colors, yeah. yeah. And the way the pieces are shaped, mm-hmm. it looks a lot like Tetris. It's Tetris, but without the stress, without the ramp up. You know, you don't. Your heart's not beating that fast. Oh, as the pieces part. are coming down super fast. Yeah, yeah. There's no speed element to it, but yeah. Other than that, it's you fill it in. And you, yeah, I did it. It's lovely, lovely little game. That's Project L. You'll recognize it. It's a black box with just a blue L on it. The game I want to talk about this week is Great Western Trail. For reference, this is the first edition that we're reviewing, not the second edition. This is a Rondell deck building game designed by Alexander Fitster, published by Eggertspiel. In this game, players are cattle ranchers herding their cattle from Texas to Kansas City, selling them, and then shipping them off by train. They're going to be doing this by moving around the board, taking actions to improve their cattle, construct buildings for new actions, advancing their train to ship further across the country. Players will continue taking turns until a specific game end trigger is met. On a player's turn, they will carry out three phases. The first phase is going to be moving your cattlemen. How far you move will be determined by player count and it will and if you had removed any sort of upgrade discs on a personal player board that you have. After the player has moved forward, they will take an action of the building they land on. There are neutral buildings that all players can use, uh, your own personal buildings that you've built that only you can use, and then there's going to be other building players' buildings that you cannot use. If you can't or don't want to use a building's action, there are auxiliary actions available to you based on how many upgrade discs you've removed from your player board. Then lastly, a player will draw up to their hand size. When a player travels around the board and gets to Kansas City, they will deliver their cattle. They'll go through a process called foresight, which populates the board with hazards, uh, additional workers to hire, then they'll total up the number of unique cattle value in their hand. They'll gain that much money. Then they also need to ship their cattle down the track. How far they can ship them is based on the value that they got in money. This also allows players to remove more upgrade discs off their board. What makes this game amazing is how much depth and strategy it has for very basic turn structure. And I don't think the turns are basic. You don't? No. I mean, it's pretty simple. You move, you take an action, you're done. No. Yeah, it's you have to. You can't just move for one. You have to like. You have rules about where you can move. You yeah, always forward. You can only move certain spaces. You can't. If you can land, you have to land on other people's buildings, but you can't use them. It's not basic, Bob. Okay, to be fair, this game does have quite a bit of complexity to it that I kind of left out of the overview, Mm -hmm. I guess. But I've been saying that a lot lately. I just need to get better at overviews, probably. Anyway, (laughs) no. So you do have. Specific rules. You're always constantly moving forward. The trail that you're taking can diverge. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you'll have different options as where you can go. You're always moving forward. There's a cost to some of them. Some of them cost more than others. Some of them you pay the bank. Some of them you pay the... This is complicated, Bob. I'm going to... No. I don't think it is. (laughs) I don't think it's that bad. Yes. There are costs associated with passing through certain tiles depending on if they have symbols on them. There's 
There are black hands and then there are green hands. Depending on if those hands are present over a tile that you pass through, you're going to have to pay money. Mm -hmm. If it's on an opponent's building, you pay them. If it's a hazard, you pay the bank. Mm -hmm. That's simple. Simple. Yeah. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Done. I don't understand the problem. So depending on how you move, you land on that building, you carry out actions on that building. If you can't, you can do some auxiliary stuff that you have on your player board. Super simple. Yeah. No. I don't understand. Not. I don't understand the problem. It's not a problem. I'm just saying it's not simple. Simplistically, you move, you do some actions, you draw up to your hand size. So the Sure. I don't know. You got me all flustered all of a sudden. You're going <laughs> to I mean, you guys Okay, you audience members need to get hold on because I'm just going to like gush over this game because I'm going to tell you right now, spoiler alert, my favorite game of all time. I love this game. This is a good game. I am not giving you beef for it being a good game. I'm giving you beef saying that it's simple. It is not a simple game. The, it's no, not super complicated, but the turns are not very simple and laid out. Explain to me how you think they're not. Because each each action you do is different. There's a lot of symbology. You know, it depends on if it's your building or not. If it's not your building, you can do these ones. You've got a, quite a range. You can move like, what, one to five spaces. That's a lot of decisions to be made, right, within that. Like, do you want to stop at every building? Do you want to just jump and just do every five spaces? In the beginning of the game, there's not very many buildings out yet. So you can go throughout the whole board pretty quickly up there. But then as the game progresses, now all these buildings filled in and you you, you got to stop every like five spaces at least. But you don't want to land on somebody else's building because those those spots don't do you a whole lot of good. I think you just described why I like this game. Like I don't even need to like give this review. Just keep talking. Yeah. And you're going to. And let me tell you, it is not a deck builder. <laughs> it, the, yes. I had I struggled with the overall mechanism. There's a light deck building aspect to it. You're. Adding cards to your hand, I would say more hand management with the ability to buy more cards that end up getting in your hand. But you, there's no, like when I think of deck builder, I think of like using your, you, there's no actions on the cards, right? The cards are just cows, which are w- worth different amounts. And then you, you have them in your hand. You want different values f- for the the trains. When you ship cattle. When you ship cattle, you want different, you can only ship one of each cattle, right? So if you don't want any duplicates, but duplicate cards will do you well throughout the buildings of the game. Each building wants different types of cows. Some of them want the same type. Well, that's what I'm saying. When you stop at a building, you can use the cards in your hand to perform an action there. Mm-hmm. So, so your lo- cards are used more to do things, not necessarily that your cards do things. Yeah. I'm, okay. So it's minor. So maybe I should have left that out, but. There's I think still, people, other people have said it. I don't think that you're the only one that's wrong. There's a, <laughs> that's true. I can't, I can't be the only one that's wrong. I think there's, there's a decent amount with that because there's a lot of aspects to the deck building portion that is included in this game. So at the end of the turn, you're always drawn up to hand size. When you buy a card, it goes into your discard pile. You can thin out your deck mm-hmm. by getting rid of cards. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of pieces that meet that. The only real difference is, you don't have a hand of cards and then you play them out to do a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But you're still using them. So you stop at some of these neutral buildings. You can discard a, a green two cattle to get some money. Then you can go hire more workers. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. You can only buy cows if you go to a building that allows you to buy cows. Then they go into your discard pile. So your cows don't allow you to buy cows. There's a lot of different strategies you can pursue in this game to score points. Mm-hmm. The most common way people do it is hiring cowboys and getting cows but that is not the only way to be successful in this game like yes and at the end of the day if you're taking cows to kansas city you need to make sure you have a a variety of them in your hand so you Mm -hmm. can get the most money and you you don't tend to like early on in the game you you don't have enough cows that are going to score you any points anyways you're just doing it to kind of move along but later on in the game you can definitely score a lot of points if you can get a lot of different cows in your hand well, and you have to think about how far am I going to ship them down the line mm-hmm. because on your you have a personal player board and there's going to be a bunch of discs on them. There's going to be some auxiliary actions that you can take if you're in a player, other player's building or even some of the neutral buildings allow you to take those actions. And it could be grab a couple coins or draw two cards, discard two cards. That way you can filter through your deck a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. But you want to remove those discs 
to open things up. And you, whenever you ship cattle, you're going to be placing discs at different city spots. Mm-hmm. So there's some strategy about, okay, do I wait to go to Kansas City until I can manipulate my hand a little bit more? Or maybe I have the perfect hand. I don't want to stop anymore. I just need to get to Kansas City so I can get this disc off my board mm-hmm. so I can ship these cattle. Yeah, there's there's a ton of strategy in the game. What buildings you go to, when you go to each building. You can only go in the order that they are laid out in. But the, even the fact that when you build a building... You choose you, where it goes on the board, which, which is, is so much t- tension like, oh, where do I put this? I don't know. Well, and there's certain spots that diverge on your path that go through hazards. So there's a water hazard, there's a canyon hazard, there's a desert hazard. And you can place your buildings along those paths Mm -hmm. and they give you extra benefits for going there. But going through those hazards can cost you a decent amount of money. Yeah. You you might not even have enough to do it. Well, it slows you down because each hazard is essentially a spot you have to stop at counts Mm -hmm. towards your overall movement. So what I like about this game, opposed to Maricabo, is that once you get to, once you drop off those cows, you go back to the beginning of the board again, and you continue on, and each player kind of goes at their own pace. So you going to drop your cows off doesn't affect me at all. Yes. You know, yep. I just keep going my path. However, I want to take, I want to stop at every single building. I can do that. There's no pressure for me to, I, I can have a plan and follow through with it. Well, you don't need to constantly be shipping cows in order to do well. Like, yes, you're going to need money to even removing hazards, using money to remove hazards, give you points. Moving along the track with your, because you have your little train that you're moving down this track, so it's easier to ship cows. You can stop at stations, drop off discs there for points. You can, you're buying points that way. There's a ton of different ways to do it. You can do it through buildings. There's a ton of ways to score points through buildings. There's just a lot of a lot of depth to this game. So much depth. Yeah. So much strategy and so much depth. And I, I I think it's really cute. I love all the artwork on the cow cards. I think the cows are really cute. When I first saw this box, I was like, I don't want to play that game. That looks really dull. But then I saw it all laid out on the table and I was like, Ooh, ooh, this is cute. It's got cute little cows on it. Look at these cute little cows with the long hair. Have you seen the second edition yet? Yes, I've seen the box. Do you I seen it in person. do you well the I mean the, you obviously probably like the cover of the second edition over the first oh, edition. Oh yeah, the first one is ugly. Yeah, it's not great. That's it looks sure. really dull. It looks like a a boring old black and white uh western book of some sort or like not something that would interest me. But the but the components are nice. The cows are cute. The board is nice. The colors are all really nice. The board looks great. I really like how the board's laid out. I think it I think it looks really good. I've seen the second edition and I don't know how much I like it. There's a few changes that they've put in it, some minor ones, but overall I don't know if I like the artwork better in the second edition game than I do in the first edition game. I mean, it looks it's nicer. It's more colorful, it's prettier. It still looks like a classic western, but at least it's not black and white. Like Project L. Prodigal is like a is um, minimalistic black and white, not like oh my old fashioned movie black and white. Yeah, the, I, I like the second edition better. The artwork in the second edition. I'm not attached to the first one like you are. Uh yeah, maybe it's because I how much I like love that you game. Love the game, yeah. Yeah, that game is it's so good. So here's here's my only problem. Sure. When I play it with Bob, he loves <laughs> this game. He's so good at it. He like dominates it, and he just destroys everybody. So you know. It's not fun playing with it. So if you love this game, what I'm saying is you need to invite Bob to play it with you. Please. And, and Bob will have a fun challenge of playing it with somebody who is just as good at it as he is. I love this game. It has everything that I want in a game. It has fast turns, deep mm-hmm. strategy, mm-hmm. a rondelle. Okay. You can you have a track you're moving on. It has some deck building. There's tension. Multiple oh. paths to victory. It's missing one thing. Dice. <laughs> if they could figure out a way to put dice in it in a good way, this game would be an 11 out of 10 for me. I, but <laughs> It's already 10 out of 10. Yeah. As you guys can probably tell, I'm giving this game a 10 out of 10. I love it. I love the tension you feel while playing. How quickly are you going to move forward? How quickly is everyone else moving forward? Because you need to make sure you're getting to spots. Because sometimes there's going to be certain... 
things that you want to buy that are available now, but if somebody else gets there, then they're going to buy them before you. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, the way it all comes together, ah, it's such a good game. I love this game. Yeah, it really is a good game. I can try to give you a grief about it, but I, I can't say that much bad about this game. It's really, really good. It's challenging. It's rewarding. It's heavy, but it's not complicated, right? Yeah. Like, once you kind of catch on, there's the the heaviness is in the decisions you make, not in trying to figure out the game, which Heck. I really like. Easy turns. Yeah. You just admitted easy turns. No. No. <laughs> no. I take it back. I take it back. Not no. easy turns. Very, very difficult turns but very fun and enjoyable to play it's it's rewarding i think too once especially once you kind of get everything wrapped around with all the different stuff and then when somebody places a building in a spot you're like oh every time i pass this building i now have to pay you Mm -hmm. when you start getting that the interaction amongst players is good in that regard getting to places first but then you can kind of steal some money from people along the way but it's not enough to really make them like truly upset yeah i would definitely recommend giving this game a try if you like quick turns with complex rewarding gameplay this game is good if you like honestly the theme is great for me too there's not a lot of games out there with this particular theme I like it a lot, actually. The fact that it's not trading in the Mediterranean Mm -hmm. or some sort of game like that, Mm -hmm. your standard, we're not farming, we're not trading spice. Yeah. Super cool theme, very unique for a Euro style game. Definitely give this one a shot. That's a great Western trail. Next up, I want to talk about Calico. It's a tile laying game. It's designed by Kevin Russ and art is by Beth Sorbel. It's published by Flat Out Games, so it's the same company that made um, Cascadia. In this game, players are attempting to design the coziest quilt. They do this by drafting and placing tiles onto their quilt board. Each player board will have three design goal tiles that will earn them points if the requirements are met. They will also earn points by creating pattern groups that the cats like and by groups of the same color that allow you to place buttons on your quilt. So you have these buttons that will give you three points if you put three or more of the same color together. Those are the easiest to get, so they're worth the least amount of points. Then you have these cats, which only care about the patterns. Every game has easy patterns to make, which are lower points, medium, and a hard one that can be up to 11 points. Then you'll have your individual player goal tiles placed in the middle of your quilt that you'll want quilt tiles around them to follow very specific rules but they can be color or pattern. And if you're really good, you can get them to follow both the color and the pattern rule and score even more points. For example, one of the tiles wants you to get all different tiles surrounding it, all six sides, you can fulfill by placing one of each color of any pattern or one of each pattern of any color to score 10 points. But if you manage to satisfy both, it's one of each color and one of each pattern, you score 15 points. But that's pretty tricky. There's another tile that wants three and three. So for example, you could score if you have three yellow tiles and three green tiles. Or you could score if you have three polka dot tiles and three ferns. And these tiles are going to be different for each player. What makes this game really stand out is the gorgeous artwork and production. The tiles are nice and chunky. They have beautiful stitching and um, printed on them so it looks like a quilt when it's all put together players each get their own recess boards to lay their tiles in so they don't get all bumped around when you satisfy the color goals you get to add these cute little buttons on top of your quilt and when you make the cats happy you get to take a cat token and lay it on your quilt it's just a stunning game with a gorgeous theme those recess player boards are awesome i love those things mm-hmm. they are so cool the fact that you just, once you place it, they're all just nicely tucked in there. Oh, yeah. You can't you knock them around. around. You don't have to like readjust it all the time. They fit in there nice. It looks like a little cute little quilt by the end of it. You can put those lazy cats laying on them. Yeah, I I love it. I had a lot of fun, you know, holding on to each of the pieces. That's just gorgeous. So strategy-wise... You know, you've got your you've got your tiles in the middle that want you to do kind of both. That's really tricky to get um, all of them. In the beginning of the game, you can really take any tile, and then later on, it kind of forces you to then you're left with taking one very specific tile if you want to satisfy each goal. 
I found that that's really kind of hard to do. And sometimes I end up neglecting that goal of getting both of those just so I can, well, I can get both if I get the right tile. But if I take this tile now, it'll satisfy one of the goals. So it's five less points, but I can get three colors in a row, which is three points. Plus I can attract this cat, which is another five points. So it's actually might be better off not to go for those double points there with those personal goal tiles. I will say with the personal goal tiles, it matters where you place them. So you get three mm-hmm. out of a stack of five. Yeah, there's a no, there's to, there's six total. You randomly draw four and you keep three. Okay. Well, you put place three on your board and where you place them matters more than you might think originally. I know mm-hmm. this last game we played. I grabbed my tiles. I was like, okay, these seem like the easiest for me to fulfill. I put them down. And then halfway through the game, I was like, man, that was the dumbest thing I could have done. Because one specifically wanted a bunch of singles. Mm -hmm. And then another one wanted doubles. I had two that wanted kind of doubles and then one that wanted singles. If I had moved them in a different way, Mm -hmm. I would have been able to fulfill those doubles easier and the singles easier. Makes sense. And because I didn't see that forward enough, I ended up just saying, okay, I'm not going to be able to fulfill this one. I'm not even going to try. Or you could, what you can end up doing is just going for maybe the one in the middle, you'll go for your colors, and then the one on the edge, you'll go for just the pattern and not try to get both. Because getting both is really, really hard. So you've got six different colors and six different patterns. So that's 36 different tiles, right? So in, if you are relying on, let's say you really want that green polka dotted one, the chances of drawing out of the bag, one out of 36. Yeah, you have a lot of turns, so you're likely to come up, but it's also likely that it will never come up. Well, it's almost a sort of draft system where you take a tile, you place it into your quilt area, and then you take one of the three face-up tiles, so somebody might beat you to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if somebody else is also going for it, it would be hard to do. So trying to get both of those is really tricky. I have It is fun when you can make it happen. I've been able to make it happen on one of them, but never, never all three. Usually I end up going for cats or buttons strategy instead and trying to get just the one goal, either the color or the pattern. Yeah, it can be hard to try to finagle all of it. Somebody that can put all that, all those pieces together. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think in order to do that, you're really, really comes down to luck, which is a complaint of the game because you have to draw that tile out of the bag. You know, if that tile never comes up, then you can't complete that. Yeah, there's no way to cycle through the entire bag mm-hmm. of tiles not even with four player yeah they're not all going to come out there's more tiles than the, than you need in the game hmm. so there's a lot of randomness with that opposed to like so this is designed by the you know, same designer as cascadia that game's a lot more free you know you can kind of do whatever maybe you really want that third bear if it doesn't come out you end up getting the elk instead which also scores you a bunch of points you know so it's not so we're like in order to score this one tile you've got to get this specific tile you know but you don't have to try to do that either in this game. Yeah, the Cascadia is I'm trying to think of a good word what the difference is. I don't I don't want to say calico is punishing. Cuz I don't think it's punishing. Cuz you can put a tile anywhere. You yeah. just don't score for it if it doesn't do anything. Yeah, that's not there's no sort of restriction that makes it punishing, but the management of symbols to colors to goals to cats is at least for me too much Mm -hmm. you explain the game and we were playing it and the goal tiles can be either pattern or color the cat has to be patterns Mm -hmm. can't be but it has to be the same pattern yeah so each cat wants two specific patterns likes two specific patterns but whatever one you do you have to do only that pattern so that's a little confusing well, and I got confused a little bit by it and then, but because it's not the same for the other stuff, the other stuff is, so you want same colors, but then when, again, when you're scoring those individual gold tiles in your quilt, it can be colors or mm-hmm. it can be, but, but if you can get both, it's a lot of little things to keep track of that honestly for me was a little too much. Mm-hmm. At one point, I think you even looked at me and you're like, you're not saying anything. And I, it was because I was just staring at this puzzle in front of me trying to figure out, do I score this? Do I not score this? Okay, wait. No, I already messed that up. So let's not even worry about that. I'm not going to do patterns. Everything is just going to be colors. And it's just, at one point, I caught myself waiting for a specific pattern. If I got that, then I would have been able to get the 
the cat that scores the most. I don't know. Nine mm-hmm. points, I think. 11, it might have been. Yeah. So I just needed one more pattern and I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was kind of waiting on that and it didn't happen. I, it was one of those things I was just kind of filling and hoping that I might be able to get mm-hmm. it. And if I did, cool. If not, then no big deal. For the style of game it is, for the length of the game, it was almost too too much of a puzzle to try to figure out. There's too many little working pieces within just that little small set for me. Yeah, I know a lot of people said it's a lot more puzzly than Cascadia. And I thought that I loved Cascadia. And I thought I would love this even more because of how much more puzzly it is. And I like this game a lot. But I still prefer Cascadia just because it's a little bit simpler and a little bit more open to being able to do what you want. You just kind of deal with what you get. You're not, yeah, sometimes you maybe you're hoping for a certain tile to come out, but there's only, what, five animals? So there's a one out of five chance of that animal coming out, maybe six, one out of six. Where this game, like, if you're hoping for a tile, uh, don't count on it. Good you luck because you might not get it. Mm-hmm. One of the things I do like about this game is you start off with two tiles in, in front of you, right? Mm-hmm. And on your turn, you place one tile and then you draft one of the three tiles that are out for the players to choose from. So you think about your turn, you have one of two choices, right? You can play this tile or this tile. And so when, you, when you're waiting for your turn, you're thinking about which tile am I going to place? And then you place it. And then the decision comes in which tile you're going to take. So you don't start your turn thinking, what tile am I going to place? Like you're ending your turn and thinking about your next turn. So it does help move it along really quickly. I like that. Uh, well, I did find my, at least my turns were fairly fast because- mm-hmm. I yeah I had thought about it already. I only have two choices. Which one am I going to do? It was more about where am I going to place it in my little tableau. Mm-hmm. Where am I going to place it there? That was the decision I was making. Not so much. All right, now I have all these options. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, because you refill it, I wouldn't even. I didn't care what you were grabbing because mm-hmm. there was a tile out there that I wanted anyway. Yeah. So I grab. I placed and then I grabbed the tile and. A couple times you're like, well, we can draw another. Nope, this is the one I want. <laughs> I'm already planning on it. I need this tile. Yeah. I really enjoy this game. I think it's gorgeous. It's got it's got a quilt on the front of it. Beautiful color. It's got a pretty cat on it. I think this game belongs on the shelves of Target for anybody to play because it's so accessible. There's a little it is a little tricky with the the tiles or patterns. There is a family variant you can play without those rules where you just do patterns and um, buttons but I think the ease of playing it is so easy to play it's complicated to like satisfy all the rules but you don't have to I don't know maybe I'm just a dummy but I don't think I would want this to be a welcoming game the puzzly aspect of placing those tiles I can see would be too much for people you think so I think so I mean it was too much for me And I consider myself a fairly seasoned gamer. Mm -hmm. And do you think if you weren't trying so hard to win, if you were just playing more casually that you would have enjoyed it a little bit more, like not caring so much about satisfying all the rules? That is an interesting question because I don't necessarily go into games expecting to win. Mm -hmm. I don't go into a game thinking, all right, I'm going to win this game. No, but you're trying to go in there thinking, I want to satisfy all of all of these tiles, right? I want to try to complete all of these and get as many cats as I can and get in as many buttons as I can. If you had gone into it thinking, I'm going to try to get one of these, focus on one, and then if I can also get some patterns and some buttons in there, that'd be good. Yeah, maybe the family variant might be, but the fact that it's a family variant and you would have to play it differently than what the rule book originally tells you to play it no, might be I don't a barrier to entry. Play, I don't mean playing at the family variant. I mean not trying to complete all three of them. You, they're out there. You can complete all three of them, but just picking one to try to complete and taking the rest of them off the, mentally off your mind and just say, I'm going to fo- try to complete this one in the center. These other two I'm going to ignore and focus on patterns around those. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's hard to say. At least for me, I, I can't give you an accurate answer one way or another. Mm-hmm. I think people would really enjoy this, people who don't play board games. I think it's got enough puzzliness to really be satisfying and fun. I could see with the theme that this would be really fun to play like in a um, community center, retirement center. Uh, people love to play board games and, and card games and stuff. And this just has this lovely, like women love cats and quilts, you know? I feel like that was a stereotype that all like women love cats and quilts. I know it is. <laughs> it is a stereotype. 
Just yeah, we're gonna go to the old folks' home, find all the women who are sewing, and have them yeah, play calico. Like when you think of like these board games, like they're not appealing to like the older generation. And this is a complicated, not a complicated. This is a complex, high strategy game that I think could appeal to the older generation because of how pretty it is and how welcoming the theme is. But there's still a lot of depth in the strategy. But they can play it casually and not, you know, not care so much about making sure they're satisfying all of it yeah i guess that's fair but if i would have new gamers ask me to teach them a game i don't know if this would even come close to being on a list of games i would teach them i'd probably start with cascadia cascadia i can see more so it's less i don't want to say punishing Mm -hmm. i I keep thinking the word punishing but this game isn't punishing in any way it's a lot to think about with the patterns and colors mixed in together and trying to do it all. I think that's the problem that we struggle with is you try to do it all. This game, you're not supposed to do it all. You're supposed to do a few things. Well, then that's, that's on you ways. for not teaching in the very beginning and saying, Bob, you don't have to do everything. <laughs> if you had told me that, maybe it would be a different experience. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, lesson learned. Yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think it's gorgeous and it belongs on the shelf at Target and I would teach my grandma how to play this and give it to her as a gift. And, you know, does your grandma own cats? I don't have a grandma anymore, but Uh, we're going to scratch that out of this episode. (laughs) Well, I remember when my grandma was um, in the nursing home with doing some physical therapy and they had given her a puzzle to work on because, you know, puzzles help with your fine motor skills. And they gave her this child's puzzle and she was so offended. Like they're treating me like a child you know, give, she wanted, like, she likes doing puzzles. She could do a complex puzzle, give her a grown adult version, you know? And I think this is a game that they could use, you know, it's good for your, your grip strength, you know, grabbing the pieces. It challenges the mind. Really interesting. I think people would really like it. Yeah, sure. Just not Bob. Nah, it wasn't for me. That got me thinking, I really hope we live in the same retirement community when we get old, because who else am I going to play board games with when I'm old? That's going to be, it's going to be so mainstream by the time, like. I hope so. That's what I plan on doing on my retirement. Like, I plan on spending my retirement years playing board games with all my my friends. When we finally can not have jobs and just play games. Yes, and play board games all day long. In between, like, all of our, we'll have a huge, giant collection by the time we're that old. No, you know what we need to do? Okay, you know what we need to do? What we need to do is right now start thinking about building a retirement facility for retired board game enthusiasts. Yes. Right? So then everyone in there, and then we can have a board game library with, by that point, if we're retired, hopefully we have money, Mm -hmm. because then we can get super cool like bits for all the games, realistic resources. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we need to do that. Keep our brains sharp. We won't get Alzheimer's then. I mean, I probably will, but that's, I mean, whatever, that's fine. I'll just play flicking games. <laughs> I'll play, flick them up. I mean, you always think of like the elderly playing card games together and they play complex ones. They love it. You know, give them credit. Have you ever played an old retired person in cribbage? They're probably going to whoop you. Yeah. My yeah. grandpa, he taught me cribbage and yeah, yeah, and yeah he loved it and. It was great memories. Shout out to my buddy Devin real quick. What is his phrase is you throw down a one and say, ha, make 15 out of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's Calico. I, I, I'm I going to rate this an, an eight out of 10. I don't love it as much as Cascadia, but I still really like this game. I recommend giving it a try if you like tiling, if you love crafting, quilting, cats, anything along those lines. If you like beautiful things, you'll like this game. That is Calico. Do I not to, do, I don't get to give a rating? Uh, I okay. What do you rate it, Bob? I'm five out of ten. Oh yeah, no, take it back. All right, we're gonna just gonna scrap my rating out of this. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Not validated. All right, that is Calico. The next game I want to talk about is your favorite game of all time. Oh, oh, you did talk about your favorite game of all time. You know, it it feels like since I talked about my favorite game of all time, I should probably talk about my least favorite game of all time. And I want what I want to do is try to, you know, bookend those. Yeah, yeah I, it makes sense, right? So yeah, I love it. the The worst game I've ever played in my entire life. It's called Aggravation. It, <laughs> it sounds is, fun. It is designed by somebody Parker Brothers. That's who made it. Hasbro and Parker Brothers are the ones who made it. In this game, you pick a color, you roll some dice. Whenever you roll a dice, you have a little home 
area with four of your little marbles. Mm -hmm. If you roll a one or a six, one of your marbles can jump out onto the main board. Every time you roll, you move one of your marbles. And the goal is to bring them all the way back home. It's like, sorry. 100% like that. Except if you land on another person's marble, you kick them back into their home. Mm -hmm. Is that like sorry too? Yep. All right. So it's exactly like sorry, except it's called aggravation. Except for there's marbles instead of the little sorry things. Yeah. Yeah. Either way. Aggravation. Um, Okay. I disagree with you. This is not the worst. I remember playing this game as a kid. We played it all the time. I hate this game with the passion of a thousand fires. I can't stand this game. And I think it's because when I've played it, the sheer joy people get when they send me back home. (laughs) Sorry. uh, Aggravation. (laughs) When they do that to me, I can't. I can't. I just, I I can't do it. I don't want any part of it. The Uh, fact that you have to. You sound like a bad sport. I probably am. And that's fine. I'm fine with that. I'll own the fact that I'm a bad okay. sport. Okay, you need to know that Bob and I are looking at this game right now. He owns this game. It's in his house. Yeah, yes. It. You know why? Yes, please tell me. The game is in my house because it was a game my wife had and sometimes wants to play it. I've tried my best to make sure this game never comes out ever again, but randomly it just comes out from time to time especially with kids. Sometimes yeah. you just want to like throw some time. And the thing is the game takes forever because you have I do remember four... it being longer than sorry. Because uh, have... at least with sorry, you had those sevens. So if you got out on a one and you could take a seven and go backwards, then you could go right up home. That it was, was the, the work. Well, no, because you roll a one or a six. So sometimes you're just sitting there rolling like do, 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 do. And you finally get one. You put your marble out and you're like, yes. And you move a little bit and then somebody lands on it, kicks you back home. So then you just rolling dice blindly to just come up with I've never been so aggravated in a game than when I've played aggravation (laughs) the name listen whoever chef's kiss whoever came up with that name good for you because that is exactly how this game makes me feel aggravated (laughs) it's the worst I mean I'm not saying it's a good game by any means but I don't think it's the worst I think there's a few decisions that you can make in it like what which marble you're going to move? You've got more than one out. That's about it. Well, you can't go you know backwards. What? There's no way to go backwards, though, is there? The problem is I never have more than one marble out because everyone <laughs> keeps sending me back. <laughs> isn't there a way to go up? Oh, I remember. Isn't there a way to go up the middle and then you could skip? Yes. Yeah. There's a So if you roll at doubles or something, you can like hop in this like center track and you can move around the center track. Which gets you right back home real fast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if you don't get knocked back. Yeah. It can happen. It's been known to happen. I've played this game quite a bit. Different version of it, but I've, it's not I've, so bad. I've seen people do it. I've, it's it's happened to me. People people have done it to me. I haven't done it, but people have done it while I've been playing. Knocked you home? Oh, no, you mean go up to the center and yeah. sneak home? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it is about this game, but I I hate it. I just, I can't. I, no, no. Bob, you want to play Aggravation? No. I'd Let play anything. I'd play Uno Showdown before playing this again. How about we make a trade? I will trade you my son's Uno Showdown game. It sounds like I need to talk to Max first and be like, hey, bud, let's trade these games. Yeah, Max and Ashley can have a conversation. And then go do a swapsies. Because I would rather play that than Uno Showdown. I disagree. I don't know. I think I'd rather, at least with that, you can you have that. Yeah. What does the fox say? <laughs> um. Yeah, this game, I hate it. Anyway, that's the worst game ever made. Agri- Do you want to rate it? Have you played it? You want to give it a rating? You yeah, wanna- I would rate it uh, a t- two. Not the worst. Can I do zero out of 10? Is that a thing or do I have to do one? How about a 0. 0.5? 0. 0.5 out of 10. I hate this game. Aggravation is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so those are those are the games we've been playing. Uh, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how Natasha feels about losing. I mean, how we feel about losing. Bob don't like losing either. Or maybe he's okay with losing as long as he don't get kicked back to the beginning. That, and that is fine. As long as, as long as I'm somewhat competitive and I'm losing because I'm making poor decisions, I'm fine with that. 
But if I'm losing because people keep just happen to roll the exact number they need to kick me back home, you I'm not, random I'm chance. like I yeah the every t- it's random except when it comes to me whatever it is the players and the little like ha, 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 you got not that, that, that's the whole part of the game so I hate it it's the worst friends. don't play aggravation anyway we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're gonna talk about losing. All right, welcome back. Next up, I want to talk about losing in games. This segment was inspired by two things. First is I saw somebody post on Facebook that uh, a question to the group, you know, do you intentionally lose games with your friends and family to get them to like to play board games with you? So first, I want to talk about that. What do you think about intentionally losing games? And do you ever do it? Yes, I have intentionally lost games. Mm hmm. But do I think it's a good idea? I don't know. With my kids, this is going to where we're going to be different because I kind of know what your philosophy is with losing, letting your kids win. Mm-hmm. But I know for me, I have let my kids win games before. Mm-hmm. But I also have not done that. So I've also made sure, not made sure I win, but I've also- Allowed yourself to win. Yeah. Given myself the ability to win. Because I think the way I approach it is if they can learn strategy based on me losing, that just helps them understand the concepts of the game. Mm-hmm. Actually, I have a funny story about this. Um, my daughter playing tic-tac-toe. Mm-hmm. Okay. There are times where I will mess up mm-hmm. in tic-tac-toe and she'll win. And part of it is in the beginning when I did that, she would just continue playing. And I'd be like, well, maybe if you put it there, you will get three. So then she would win, right? Mm-hmm. Fast forward. I don't know. This was probably maybe a year ago. I don't know. Fast forward. We're sitting down at a restaurant grabbing dinner. Mm-hmm. And she gets one of those kids menus and it has a bunch of tic-tac-toe on it. Mm-hmm. So she's like, hey, dad, you want to play tic-tac-toe? I was like, yep. So we're playing or whatever. And I, I do that a couple of times and she wins. And then my wife looks at me and she's like, are you letting her win? I go, uh, no, <laughs> maybe. And she's just like, I don't let her win. I go, okay. She goes, she's good at it. Don't let her do that. Cause she'll actually like, she'll beat you. Mm-hmm. Cause I guess they've, uh, she hasn't ever let Lila win mm-hmm. and Lila has beaten her a couple of times. And part of that, like you make a poor move or whatever. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, oh, I don't know. So then Lila goes, Hey dad, let's play another one. So then we're playing and she doesn't move and she goes, Aw, you can go right there. And I was like, Yep. She's like, See, Dad, I let you win. I wanted to make sure you could win one. <laughs> My kids did the same thing with me. They caught on that I was letting them win and they started passing the buck to me and letting me win. That is so funny. Kids it, are so kind. Yeah, the, yeah. They the heart on those like, I just wanted to make sure you'd win, Dad. Aw. Aw, thanks. Kid, I don't I guess that's a good thing, right? <laughs> But I have let my kids win games. And most of the time that I do it, I try to do it in a way that I can show them strategy to win. Mm -hmm. It's not so much me saying, okay, I'm just not going to play well. It's intentional to teach them, okay, this is an opportunity you've been presented. If you take this opportunity, you'll win. Mm -hmm. It teaches them strategy. Yeah. That's the way I try to approach it at least. I don't think it's any fun for kids to play games and get constantly beat all the time. They're not going to want to play with you. Right. So you've got, I think you've got to let them win and however you want to do it is fine. I try to do a third, like I try to win a third of the games, right? Like on average. So I, you know, I don't let them win all the time because I don't want them to be sore losers either. You know, and I did struggle with that with my oldest. Uh, My youngest was a lot better of a loser because he would often play with his older sister and so he got used to losing a lot you know so you you do have to win occasionally you know games a chance I let it just be the way it is that's fine but in other games I you know I do things that help them win you know intentional like maybe pointing out strategy I try to do ways of handicap instead of like intentionally playing bad moves I try to do ways of handicapping myself so maybe I'll play really fast without thinking you know, if you play like connect floor and you just like 
quick as you can put it in there that that kind of handicaps yourself in a little way where it's still kind of challenging for you but they can win half the time you know i do that with adults that i play with that don't play games that often Mm -hmm. and this sounds bad but i give myself a restriction yep so a game like ticket to ride i might say okay i'm not allowed to go on the gray tiles you know or the gray tracks now that might not be realistic based on certain things, but I try to give myself a self-imposed restriction mm-hmm. that gives me an additional challenge to overcome. It handicaps me slightly with how I'm playing the game. Mm-hmm. And part of it is just like the fun for me because me playing a game and destroying somebody in a game isn't fun for me. Yeah. it's You feel mean. You feel like a yeah. jerk. It doesn't feel good. But if I can give myself a restriction in which... If I still somehow become, I still win, Mm -hmm. then I feel good that I've been able to overcome the self-imposed restriction. Mm -hmm. I don't ever play with the intention of I'm going to let them win. I don't ever intentionally play bad moves to let them win. I think that's insulting, right, to your friends. Yes. You know, that, that would be, nobody wants to play with you if you intentionally let them win either. So, but, but there's a balance, right? And first of all, I try to choose games where they're easy to teach so they have equal opportunity to win. Yes. You know, second is I maybe play, my strategy is usually playing really quick. I don't put a lot of thought into it. I just make the first move that I can. I don't overanalyze it when I, opposed to when I play with you, I'm going to think about my move. I'm going to make sure it's the optimal move. I play really quick. That kind of handicaps myself a little bit. Yeah, I do the same thing. Usually it's something that I don't, Usually in games, I'll go for a strategy that normally you wouldn't. That's usually what I'll try to do. And part of it is not so it, it's giving my giving me a restriction, but it's more allowing me to an explore an aspect of a game that I normally probably wouldn't if I was trying to play optimally. Yeah, that's exactly what you did when we played Pulsar. 28. 49. 49. <laughs> I only complain with the game, a random number. It's but. well, I mean, it's supposed to be a year in which you're developing energy from pulse, but whatever, regardless. Yeah, I digress. Yeah, yeah, I appreciated that because if I'm being completely honest, me winning that game the first time I played really upped my enjoyment of the game. And I hate to be a sore loser, but I like winning, it's fun. And when I can play a game for the first time and do well, and it doesn't have to be that I win, but feel like I'm doing well. It's enjoyable. And obviously you're way better at that game. So the fact that you went down a different strategy, still try to do your best with that strategy, it made it funner for me to play with you. Funner or more fun? Funner. Right. Opposed were- to when we played Grant Western Trail and you like dominated, just destroyed me. I I like that game a lot, but it makes me not want to play with you. Well, in that one, I, th- if, I, I, I re- if I remember, I tried doing some sort of different kind of strategy. And, and then, it really paid off. Yeah, it was it was more than I thought it would. Yeah. 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 It was f- fine. And, and and we have that, re- you know, I can handle it. I'm, I'm not complaining about it. I don't want you to do anything differently. I like that I have friends in my life that I can play really competitively with. So don't change or anything. But- I think there's some truth to that and because you made the same comment when we were going to play. I was like, let's play Praga. And you're like, oh, I don't want to play with Chris. He's going to destroy us because he's been playing online a lot and he gets really good at it once he plays it a lot. Well, it's the same thing playing him in a game like Res Arcana. Yeah, he's so good at it. So funny story. Res Arcana, we've been playing that on uh, Board Game Arena Mm -hmm. and myself and then the two of our friends, Chris and then Jeremy. And... Chris has been winning a lot in that mm-hmm. game. And at one point he made a comment. He's like, yeah, if I have, if I have this person and I have this card or whatever, I can usually win by turn four by getting this. And Jeremy's response was, wow, man, you're playing on it. We're on different levels. Yeah. <laughs> like we're, we're clearly not playing on the same level, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I, I still enjoy playing Res Arcana with him. It's a light, it's a short enough game where it's still fun, you know? But there is some truth to that. Like, it can be not as fun playing with somebody who destroys you. Yeah. And you kind of want to make sure you're not that person when you're playing with people, newer players, I think, or more welcoming games. I think in our gaming group, 
Chris can destroy us all he wants. He's more than welcome to. I will never fault him for it. Yeah, no. It, but what's satisfying is when you have a player that's really good at very specific games and you actually beat them at something. Mm-hmm. That can be extremely rewarding. Yeah, and that happens if we play it enough. It, we will get just as good as, as the other person and make it fun. But yeah, you definitely want to kind of balance that out. It's interesting with games like that because I feel like people are predisposed to being good at certain games. For example, I am terrible at a deduction game. Don't try to get me to play a deduction game because I'm just going to be bad at it. Mm-hmm. But somebody like you or even Jeremy are really good at deduction games. Yeah. There are just certain games that people are naturally better at. There's certain games people have said, you're probably going to be good at this, Bob, just because it fits in the wheelhouse of how I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I play with our gaming group, I never hold back. I don't ever handicap myself. I play with the intent of trying to do my best. And if I destroy you, I destroy you. I don't feel bad about it. But when it comes to my kids and maybe my friends that I'm playing more casually with, I try to be really mindful of that. Yeah, I agree. It's I want to be no- fun. I want to be some I want to be a person that people want to be around and hang out with and play board games with. It sours the taste of the game to people. And the last thing you want to do is create a situation where somebody hates a game because you've done so much better than they have. And I, part of the reason why I say this, there's going to be a review coming up that we're going to do. We're going to tell of, the story. Of a, a little bit of a game Natasha and I played. Um, it fits here. Mm-hmm. A game that Natasha and I played. It kind of inspired this yeah. topic, actually. And it was a two, we played it two player. It was both our first play. And I crushed her. I had 67. Bob beat me by 80 points or something. So I had 150 had, something. Yeah. So maybe more than that. Yeah. I felt horrible about that yeah i did not feel good and you even said that it's the fact that something like that can happen when it's both our first plays sours the experience slightly yeah i had set that game aside and was ready to buy it and i had put my name on hold at the game store and then when we played it i was like i don't want this game and and i'm like am i a sore loser am i but you know Bob and Chris were like, well, Natasha, give it another chance. Play it again. I was like, sure, I can do that. But if I get better at it and then I turn around and play it with somebody else and I destroy them by 80 points, that's not fun either. I don't think that game is quite as a welcoming game as what people might think based on the artwork. The artwork on it is- So we need to tell the game because we're getting too much in the details. That's true, yeah. This is Honey Buzz. Yes. We played it at Origins and I fell in love with it. We played a couple around and I just loved it. It was gorgeous. Out of print, been waiting for this game. I was totally gonna buy it. Bob even put it on the hold for me when he was in the game store. It's got these gorgeous bee meeples. Beeples. I love everything about it until we played it and it just got, I got destroyed and I'm like, what did I do wrong? I didn't play it terribly. No. I don't think I did anything wrong. Without going into too much like review of the game, there was like, you get goal tiles Mm -hmm. and I, I achieved all three Mm -hmm. before you. And if you, the last person never gets an opportunity to get those. So only one in a two player game. yeah. Yeah. Only one person gets those. And I happened to accomplish all three, which was, I think, 60 points. So Mm -hmm. there was 60 right there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, that tends to sour an experience when you get destroyed like that. I mean, is it, did Bob play it that much better than me? You know, then I can learn and grow from it. Sure, no problem. Or is it just the game where it's just kind of random? I don't think so because there's no randomness in the game at all. That game is a lot more thinky than what you might expect. Mm-hmm. We're going to review it and we'll talk more about it in detail. I didn't want to review it with only that one play. Yes. So, we, need, we, we need some additional plays. So hopefully we can get it in the next couple of weeks maybe. But uh, real quick, I think people think it's a welcoming game because mm-hmm. of the artwork. I don't think it is. I don't think I would do that. But anyway, that's, that, let's we'll move back. That yeah, later, let's yeah. move back to losing. <laughs> more specifically, Natasha losing. Yeah. So that game is really what spurred this conversation and why I wanted to talk about it. You know, because I love playing board games. I love playing competitively. I love the thrill of the win, right? The anticipation, the tension that comes with it. But I also like 
don't ever want to be a sore loser yep. either. You know, I want to be a good sport about it. You know, if I am bummed out about my losing, I at bare minimum try to hide it from everybody <laughs> and still smile about it. The biggest thing for me when it comes to games is, yes, I enjoy winning. I think anyone who says they don't enjoy winning is, is I, I think they're not necessarily lying, but they're not being 100% truthful. There are people like that, and they're not fun to play with. They're like, oh, I don't care. Well, then you got to care because you got to make good choices. Otherwise, you're just going to throw the game to the next per. Oh, I can't stand playing with those people. The kingmakers of the world? But they're not kingmaking because they don't care. They just, they, they don't, I, I, there are people that legit don't care and they're not fun to play with. Yeah, I suppose. They're, I enjoy winning, but for me, I want to be competitive in a game. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily need to win all the games. I just want to be competitive. So Pulsar is a prime example. I was I was dead last in this last game. It was a three-player game. I was dead last. I was third place. But I was only 11 points away from Natasha's first place score. Mm-hmm. I was competitive. Yeah. And that's fine with me. I Yes, I lost that game. I was in third place. Whatever. No big deal. But it's not a thing where I was so far behind. I had zero opportunity to win that game. I had the opportunity my strategy didn't work out as well as yours. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you a story about a time I destroyed this little girl. <laughs> and this Whoa, is... what? Yes. <laughs> so last week I talked about getting in the board game hobby with a friend I had met. And he has a daughter at the time. She must have been around eight or so. And he played a lot of games with her. So she was pretty good at playing board games. And he had taught uh, me Agricola and she had played it a few times. And one night at game night, her and I played Agricola and... My daughter was way younger, so I didn't know what an eight-year-old was capable of. You know, she was good at playing games, so I took that as that she was good at playing Agricola, which she was for an eight-year-old. It's all about perspective to age. Yes, yes. So I played, and I played like how I would normally play, and she played well, just fine. But as the game progressed, I was realizing I was just destroying her, and not intentionally. By that point, I realized it. It was way too late. And and it was such a horrible feeling. And she was fine. She, you know, she did fine with it. But I will never let that happen with a child again, you know. And I just want to make sure that I don't ever make anybody feel that way because that was not fun. And that was a lesson learned for me. It's with losing. Yes, you don't. Do not destroy an eight-year-old. Beating an eight-year-old person at Agricola cannot make anyone feel good. I don't know. There's probably people. But- in the other, uh, there's another story I want to bring up specifically about losing. And there's a game Natasha and I really like called Scythe. And when it comes to losing, one of the things I wanted to bring up was when you lose, but learn how to play the game better. Yep. And this happened in the game of Scythe. When I first started playing Scythe, before I played the game with Natasha, I, I looked at the game differently. And then I played Natasha in Scythe, and she whooped us. Like, it wasn't even close. And I was like, wow, (laughs) I'm approaching this game in the completely wrong way. Mm -hmm. So we played again, and I was able to learn how to play better based on how Natasha played the game. So even in, that's what I really liked. Yes, I lost those games, but I was able to, learn a different way to approach the game. Mm-hmm. I approach the game in a very specific, meticulous kind of manner. Scythe is a race game. Mm-hmm. I hate race games, but I love Scythe. Scythe is a race game. You want to try to achieve those objectives as quickly as you possibly can. In a lot of ways, it's like watching Chris play certain games too, or even Jeremy at deduction games, their thought process behind playing those games. Like Even if I lose a game, it's still interesting to see how people want it. Mm-hmm. And you can still kind of like learn from that experience. And yeah. at this point, specifically with Scythe, Natasha and I, I would say, we go back and forth. Mm-hmm. We like that's one of those games that her and I are. I feel like we're on the same level mm-hmm. as in terms of how competitive we are with that and how good we are at that game. That it's fun now to be super competitive. And when we play with other players, I'm always like, Natasha's gonna finish it on her next turn, and they're like. No, she's not. I'm like, yes, yeah, she did. She put she put out all her workers. She's done. She's done, <laughs> like producing. I'm telling you this right now. She's done producing. We need to do something, otherwise, she's gonna win. Uh-huh. 
And I think that's the difference, right? That's when, like, I never felt bad about destroying you inside. Like, I gleefully won, enjoyed every moment of it because because of you, right? Because of you and the people we were playing with that you guys are open to, you know, you want to learn and get better at games and, and it's okay to destroy you. It's not okay to destroy an eight-year-old girl, even if she is good at Agricola. Yeah, you don't, Just it's, don't. the problem might be it it seems unlikely that the eight-year-old will be able to grasp the reason why she lost is because of these moves that you made, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Whereas losing to you in Scythe multiple plays allowed me to view the game in a different way. Okay, what is she doing to be so efficient at these things? You're interested in learning and improving. Yeah. You're interested in becoming a better gamer, right? Yeah. That's why you do it. That's that's the difference. Who are you playing with? Do Are they interested? Do they want to play competitively and learn how to be the best board gamer? Then yes, be very, very um, competitive with them. If they want to play for fun and just to have a good time with you, play more casually. And I think everything that boils down to, yes, I enjoy winning. I like to be competitive. But at the end of the day, at least for me, what I love about board games specifically is having an opportunity to sit down with somebody face-to-face, have an actual interaction with people, use my mind in a way I typically probably don't during the course of the day. I can think about problems. I feel like it keeps my mind sharp on puzzles and a variety of different other things. Mm -hmm. So it gives me that human interaction. It allows me to use my brain in a way I normally wouldn't throughout just my normal work day. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. All right, that's our thoughts on losing. Be a gracious loser. Also, be a good winner. You know, don't be don't be mean to child, children. Don't, don't beat an eight-year-old at Agricola. It's not nice. All right, that's our show for this week. Thanks so much for listening to our shenanigans. Join us next week where we're going to have a special guest. Yep, we're, that's all we're going to say right now. If you could do us a favor and leave us a review on your app that you listen to the podcast on. That's super helpful. You can also check us out on Instagram or Facebook and you can send us our, your questions, comments, um, anything you want to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Have a great week, everyone. See you next week.